Okay, good morning. Today's daf is daf Lamed Ches. I'm going to go from the second line. The Mishnah was mentioning improvements that people did to the base. I mean that and what they were praised for. So it says, Nikanor Nasu Nisim Soisov. It was a miracle done too for Nikanor with his doors. Remember we say the, the main doors into the temple courtyard were Shari Nikanor, the gates of Nikanor. And well, now we're going to discuss the miracle. So it's Nasu What was the miracle? So Amru When Nikana went to get these doors from Alexandria in Egypt, when he was returning, there was a storm set up to drown him. Was was gonna drown him. Not So the sages quickly took one of these huge copper doors. And threw it into the sea. Vadain lo noach yam mizafo, and still the sea didn't stop raging. So picture lahati les chaverto. They wanted to throw in the second one, and omadhu v'karcho. So Nikanor hugged the gate, and he says, "Omal lehem al tilei Throw me in the sea with it. Miyad noach yam immediately mizafo. Immediately the sea calmed down. And the whole journey back to Eretz Yisrael, he was very, uh, he, he was very distressed about what happened that they chucked the other door overboard. When they reached the port of Akko, he saw the door poking out from under the ship. It had like stuck itself to the bottom of the ship in a miracle and floated along with them. And slightly different version of what the miracle was. He says, Some sort of sea creature. Swallowed it. And then spat it out onto dry land. And Omar Shlomo Shlomo says, The beam, the walls of a house of cedar and the doors of Berusim. Altikri Berusim Elo Berias Yam. They're from a sea creature, or some translate as brisyam. They're uh, from the covenant that these doors had with the sea. Therefore, over time, they changed all the doors in the base Amigdash to gold. As they got wealthy and were able to afford it, they switched them out from the copper to gold. Except for the ones of Nicanor, which made a miracle, which they com- which a miracle was done with. Ah, it was a great Kiddush Hashem, so therefore they kept those doors. It says, Some say also their copper was very shiny. I like gold. Rabbi Eloz ben Yaakov says it was this type of refined copper that was very, very shiny, like gold. So they actually didn't need to switch it out. Um... Just two interesting points that are discussed that come out from this piece. One is what? He went down to Egypt. The Tosos Yomtov actually fr- phrases the question as follows. He says, I know why he got, maybe you'd say that, the, what's the reason that there was the storm and he got punished that, his, that the doors were thrown overboard? Because he went to Egypt. You know, the famous Israel Jews aren't allowed to return to Egypt. So the Yamshul Shlomo says very clearly, he says, no. He says, the Pesach says, Lo Gursham, to live there. Yato Choyzer, so that's when you can't go back. Avalato Choyzer, you are allowed to go back to Egypt for business or for 
or to actually conquer the land. So very interestingly, what are we saying? That when is this primarily this issue of going back to Egypt is specifically when it's to live there. But for other interactions or short term would be fine. There's still another question is we find that many Rishonim, the Rambam, the Radbaz, some of our great, great Kantoilim lived in Egypt, lived in Egypt. So very, how could they do that? So firstly, the, Ram, the Rambam seems to learn that he lived. It was an Aveira he did. For whatever reason, he had to do it, but it was an Aveira. This that he lived, the Rambam seems to this that he lived in Egypt. Others are more, uh, what's the word, more uh, understanding of the Rambam. And the other Gadolim who lived in Egypt, they say that for various reasons. One is maybe this, that there's an issue to return to Egypt is only when the Jews have their land, Eretz Israel. When there's no... Uh, Option when there isn't a Jewish land, okay, then it doesn't really matter where they live. Um, someone who say that the specific issue is to the, the Ritva brings in the name of Uraim, the specific issue to live in Egypt is to revert, is to follow the Jews' travels reverse through the desert and go to Egypt. I to just end up in Egypt to go from South Africa to Egypt or on a different path to Egypt, wouldn't be a problem specifically to follow the path. Okay, but so they're different. It is an interesting um, discussion. How could they, how could, how could he go to Egypt? And they use that as a springboard to discuss when the Jew can go to Egypt. Um, there's another interesting point that comes out. What's the halacha regarding giving your life to save a door for the Beis Amitash? I mean, I know the Beis Amitash is special, but how could... Um, how could uh, Nicanor hold on to the door and say, if you're going to throw the door out, throw me out? The sailors weren't throwing the door out to be malicious. They were throwing it out to save their lives from the, from the sea. To save from the sea storm. So the one answer given is no. He realized that it's a huge chilul Hashem that the doors for the Beis Amidash get thrown off a ship because of a sea storm. It's like almost Hashem saying, I don't want those doors. I don't want the Beis Hamidash. And on the flip side, when, the, when they do end up in the Beis Hamidash, it's a huge Kiddush Hashem. So therefore you realize you're right. In general, for saving property, for saving something, you know, to save, uh, to save something for the shul or whatever, you might not, uh, it, might be, it's seriously problem, it could be seriously problematic to give your life. But here, where it's for the huge Kiddush Hashem, that would, then it's okay. I mean, interesting enough, that's the primary discussion of Kiddush and Chilul Hashem comes up as in regards to what mitzvahs do you give your life for and what mitzvahs do you not give your life for. I like when we say, die, we always refer to the term dying al Kiddush Hashem, if you have to serve Avodah Zorah or commit adultery or commit murder, rather die al Kiddush Hashem. Okay, so that would be just two interesting points that come out from there. Let's go on to the next Mishnah. So as I said, the previous Mishnah mentioned improvements and things that people did for the good, and they were praised for it. So he says, And the following are as a disgrace. The family of Gormu did not want to teach others the way to make the Lechem Aponim. The showbread, remember the showbread was a very special shape, and it was very hard to... Make it like that without it collapsing or without it with it baking properly. Shalbeisatinos wanted to teach um, um, the way to make the katoris. 
Hugrus ben Levi hoiso yadea perek b'shir veloi rotzelelamed. Hugrus ben Levi had this special technique to sing and produce the most beautiful sounds, and he didn't want to share it. Ben Kamsa loi rotzelelamed al mase aksav. Ben Kamsar didn't want to teach the special way of writing. He had, we'll see in the Gomorrah, he had a way of holding a quill in each finger between his thumb and his finger so he could hold four quills at once. And Rashi brings that he was able to write Hashem's name, Yud Kei Vav Kei, in one writing. He didn't have to write in separate letters. Um, and that's, uh, so, so that skill, he didn't want to teach other people. Our Rishonim Neymar, Zechel Tzadik Levrochov, Al Elu Neymar, Hashem Rishonim Yarkev. Regarding the earlier Mishnah, it says, when you mention Tzadikim, it should be for a brocha. And when you mention Rishoim, we say Vishayim, the name of Rishoim should rot. We'll discuss this phrase a bit more later on. There's a lot uh, to discuss on this Mishnah, just some of the points. Um, so, so we actually had the similar Gemara in uh, in uh, Shkolim. Don't know if you remember, but we'll go through the story and then we'll see how it tied into Shkolim. Um, then another interesting thing, yeah, another interesting thing that comes up with when they discuss uh, where was it? I mean, yeah, there's a lot. Um, what did? Um, what did uh, what was it that this uh, sorry what was his name Ben Kamsar had he how did he write how is it possible to write four letters at once with I mean as soon as you move one finger to move the one quill you're going to end up moving the other quill so how did he write four letters at once so I saw article and I heard in another quote I don't have the safer so I couldn't look it up but the Masayis Ben Yomim discusses stamping the letter and he's discussing it from the point of view of uh, of, uh, we know certain things like Tfilin and Mezuzah, according to some opinions, it has to be written in order. You can't write it out of order. So does doing it all at the same time count as in order? Or is that out of order because it's not one letter after the other? Um, the second thing I was thinking of, what's the mala? What's, what's so special about writing Hashem's name at once? Like why, like why we say, oh, he was so skilled. I mean, it's a great skill to be able to write four letters at once. I mean, it would be great to uh, imagine get, getting your work done in a quarter of the time. But uh, what's, the, like, what's the mile of writing Hashem's name at once? I wasn't sure. And then another interesting thing that... Um, that, uh, that yeah. Oh, and then back to the opinion that says that he was, he, it was more like he had four quills with the letter engraved in each, like a stamp. And that's what he did it. Um, I was thinking, are you allowed to stamp a Sefer Torah? I mean, we could come up with a way to produce Sefer Torah much faster and cheaper than the, what, a few hundred thousand rand, I think, is what it costs to produce a Sefer Torah, because every single letter has to be written carefully with the right intent, especially all the holy names have to be written with Hashem's, with intent. I mean, if you could do it with with stamps, I'm sure we could get a Sefer Torah produced much quicker and cheaper, and more people could have access to Sefer Torah. So I was wondering how that uh, ties in with that discussion. Um, and then another important question the Chofetz Chaim asks. He says, how can they recall this Mishnah? Isn't this Lashon Hora? 
We're literally putting a list of people who we're going to speak Ganai about. The definition of lost and horror or, at least, or Mochamer is speaking degradingly about other people. So here we've got a Mishnah recorded um, speaking degradingly about other people. So hopefully we'll come back to that question once we've analyzed what the Avera was. So let's start with the first one. The Gemara says, Ton Rabbonin, Beis Gormu Hoyo Bekim, Bemasilechem Aponim, Veloirotzel Yilmod. Beis Gormu were the experts in how to make the Lechem Aponim, and they didn't want to share it. Sholchu Chachomim, Veyavu, Emunim, Alexandria, Shalmitzrayim. So they sent for craftsmen from Alexandria. The Chachomim, the sages of the Sanhedrin. They knew how to bake in that shape of the Lechem Aponim. Remember the Lechem Aponim we discussed in Menachos, I think were either like a, a base with the sides going up and the top going over. And it's very, for bread to not just cave in on itself was very strange. And there was another opinion that they were actually like V-shaped. And then folded in the front. So that was a hard shape to get. They managed to get the shape. He says, But they couldn't get it out the oven. As soon as they tried to remove it from the oven, it collapsed. They had to, the, the craftsmen from Alexandria had to actually fuel the oven and bake it on the outside of the oven. Because again, as soon as they baked it inside, they would, I guess, burn it and not able to remove it or thing. Whereas we know based Gormu did it inside. Halu piton Their bread would get start to get moldy because it wasn't baked properly. When the sages heard that it just wasn't working, everything my Hashem created was for His glory. As the Pasuk says, everything that's called in my name and I created it all for my glory. The Chodzru yeah, the one gives to change the two, and they decided to return base Gormulim Koimam to reestablish base Gormu to their station as the bakers of the Lechem Aponim. The sages sent to them, and they refused to come. It says So they doubled their pay, and then they came. Every day they would take. 12, they used to get paid 12 money, and from now on, that was 24 money. They used to get paid 24 a day, and now they got paid 48. I'd love to know why the Gomorrah, what's the import, what's the significance of whether they got paid 12 to 24, or 24 to 48. So the Chachom said to him, why won't you teach it to anyone? Why won't you teach anyone how to make the Lechem upon him? So it's known in our father's house, that the base of Midash is going to be destroyed. And we worry that someone who's not so pro take this, he's going to take this and go use it for Avodah Zorah. So, so there, Chazal weren't too happy with them. As we said, we mentioned them in the Mishnah as degrading, but they did have an excuse. Their excuse was, you know, uh, we don't want it to end up, we don't want the skill to end up in the wrong hand and it's going to be used for Avodah Zorah. They're going to bake fancy cakes and breads and stuff for the Avodah Zorah to bring glory to the Avodah Zorah and we don't want our skill to be used for that. That's what they said. It seems that Chazal didn't believe them. The Sanhedrin believed that they, the, the reason they, they just wanted to be exclusive, they just wanted to have the power, the wealth and the prestige of being the only people who knew the secret. It says, But for the following they did praise Base Gormu. What was it? 
ביד בעיניים שלא יאמרו מס ממס ללחם הפונים זה ניזונים. They never ever ate white bread. And they, their children never ate white bread so that people didn't say that they were um, sustained from the lechem aponim. Or from the skills used for the lechem aponim. To fulfill the possible. You must be innocent in the eyes of Hashem and Yisrael. This is where it was connected to Shkolim. Remember in Shkolim we said that the coin who's going to withdraw money from the chamber with all the Shkolim, he must wear a robe that has no hems, he can't have pockets, he can't wear twilling, he can't wear shoes, all things that he can't smuggle out money. Because you have to be innocent in the eyes of Hashem and in the eyes of Bnei Yisrael. And so too, they, so they were careful to fulfill that pasuk by making sure that their children never had white bread. Um, so that's how we tied it into Shkolim and that's what they did. So that was a good aspect of their, that was a good, that was praiseworthy. Then we go, Shel Beis Avtinos Lorotso Lamed Al Maasek Torres. Beis Avtinos did not want to teach the Maasek Torres. Says Torah, Abon and Beis Avtinos, so you became the Maasek Torres. They were the experts in making the Katoris Velorotso Lamed. They didn't want to teach it to anyone else. Shalso Chachomim Veviu, Imunim Alexandria, Shal Mitzrayim Velo. So they brought these extra, the Sanhedrin brought these sages from Alex, these craftsmen from Alexandria who knew how to make the similar spice. They couldn't get the smoke to rise up the same. This one would rise according from base of tennis that used to rise in a column like a stick. And But when the Craftsman of Alexandria made it, the smoke just uh, spread from side to side like regular smoke. We see that obviously Hashem gives the skill to those who need it, to who He wants to have it. Um, You know, the Rach says the, the, the Rach says here, um, it's, I think it's an important thing to remember, he says, Hashem sometimes gives a piece of wisdom to this one more than the other one, for his reason, for his sake. The only person who has a, a skills of the ones Hashem wants to have that skill. Okay, then it says, um, they wanted to reinstate Beis Avtinos, so the Chachomim sent for them, they, didn't, they refused to come. So they doubled their wage and they came. It used to be that they were paid 12 and now they got paid 24. And Rebuda says, no, they used to get paid 24 and now they were paid 48. Why you refuse to teach the skill to anyone else? We know that in the future this house will be destroyed. And we're concerned that someone will take the skill and use it to serve Avodah Zorah. But again, it seems that Chazal didn't believe them. They thought their motives again was for the power, the prestige and the wealth. That comes with being the only people who knew how to make the incense like this. But for the following, they actually did praise Beis Abtinus. Because 
very interesting, says they had a rule that their daughters never ever wore perfume, even for they were going to their wedding. And any time they were marrying a daughter from another family, they made a condition that she will not wear perfume. To fulfill that, it's, as the Apostle says, you must be innocent in the eyes, or clean in the eyes of Hashem and Yisrael. Obviously, Hashem will know whether it's the Kesoris they use, Ketoris they're using, or uh, some other, the Ketoris, yeah, or some other perfume. But they, uh, <laughs> but they, but other Jews might suspect them, so they were careful not to ever use that their daughters and wives never ever used perfume. Once I was traveling and I bumped into one of the descendants of the space of Tinot. So I pointed out to him, I says, you see, your ancestors wanted to increase their honor and limit the honor of Hashem because they didn't want enough people to know how to prepare the Katoris properly. Well, now look, Hashem's honor is as it always is. And your family's honor is left uh, with nothing. Your family's honor is nothing. It's, there's no, you're serving no purpose at the moment because there's no base Amidash to make a Ketoyres. Interesting, I would have said that granted Hashem fills the whole world and the whole world is here for His honor. When there is a base Amidash, Hashem's honor is greater. But He's saying, no, Hashem's honor is as it always is. It's just your family has nothing to do now. So it's Amar Biyakiva. Sachli ben once I went out into a field with one of these descendants of Beis Avtinas, the Lakaitasovim to pick grass for Oisi Sheboch of Sochak, I saw him crying and then laughing. I said, Why are you crying? I remembered the glory of my ancestors. They used to mean, Why are you crying? So Amaloi, Sheotir Akoshboch Lassilonu. Because I'm happy because in the future it will be returned to us. What reminded you of the glory of your ancestors that they used to know how to make the Katoras and now you don't? Says, I saw this ingredient, Male Oshon. The one that made the smoke go, um, go straight. Says, Heruli. So I asked him to show it to me. So Amali, Shwahi, Biodeno, Shain, Marino, Solo, Cholodom. We have an oath bound on us that we will never show it to another person. Once I saw this old man and he had this scroll with uh, all these herbs on it. So I said to him, Where are you from? I'm from the family of of Avtinus, so what's this uh, recipe book in your hand? It's the scroll of all the spices. Says Heruli, please show it to me. So Amarli calls Manchabes Abu As long as my father, my ancestors' house was established, we would never give it to anyone. He says, Says now it's for you. Be careful with it. When I told this to Rabbi Kiva, well, now it's definitely also to speak badly about them. Uh, we saw that they were being, it seems that they clearly, by the fact that they kept the secret, even after the destruction of the temple, even after there was nothing in it for them. And he didn't take the secret to the grave with the family. He just wanted to keep it from ending up in the wrong hands. 
says clearly their motivation was good. So Rabbi Akiva said, we've got to stop uh, degrading them. Mikan Omar ben Azai, bishmecho yikrocho ubemkoimcho yeshivecho. And from here, Ben Azai says, in your name they will call out, and in your place you will stay. I, it seemed, I don't understand the sentence properly, but it seems you must do what you have to do. And you don't have to worry about someone kicking you, what knocking you off your perch, taking your job or your skills from you, because Hashem will make sure you end up with, in the right place with your right skills that He's given. Um... Yeah, what is yours will be given to you. And A person is never able to encroach on what is set for his friend. And one king cannot touch a um, overlap with another king. Even a hair's breadth. And when it's the one king's time to reign, the other king's reign will end. You can't have them overlap at all. I'm not sure exactly why we bring that phrase together with our discussion. Um, so those are the skills of Ben Aptinus. As I mentioned, we'll, yeah, we'll come back to it a bit more, but just add to the question. I mentioned on the mission, is it not Rosh and Hora to speak badly about these uh, these people, to speak to about their Ganai? Again, this is thousands of years since they last uh, used it as a power play uh, Whatever their motivation was, it's the last time. And not only that, we just saw that Rabbi Akiva actually comes along and says, Oh, we should actually, it seems like they were sincere and good, and we shouldn't speak about them to Ganai. And then Rabbi, a few generations after Rabbi Akiva, comes along and still records it as a Ganai. Rabbi Akiva was earlier than the Mishnah was written, shouldn't have been changed from them. Okay, so that adds to that question. Let's just carry on with the people mentioned in the Mishnah. So Hugris Ben Levi, remember he were, he had that special skill to produce the most beautiful sound. It says, When he wanted to project his pleasant voice, he would put his thumb into his mouth and put his fingers by his I think whiskers by his uh, moustache. They would jump back in surprise to listen to him. I saw a thing was the Marshals explains it's like when you want to hear a loud noise and you want to hear it a bit better, you like turn your head so like you're, it's a bit too, it's a bit to the back so that you're not getting the full force of the sound at you and you can hear it better. But they, it surprised the beauty of the sound surprised even his brother the Kohanim or the, the other Levim. Yeah, it says, Ben Kamsar didn't want to teach them how to do the special writing. So, so he was able to take four quills between his fingers. And if there was this word of uh, Hashem's name, when he got up to Hashem's name, he could write it in one stroke. As I mentioned, I'm not sure what's the mala of writing Hashem's name. I saw someone to suggest it's along the lines of the Kedusha only falls on the let on the word once it's complete. So the Kedusha falls quicker. Or there's less chance of him getting distracted. When a sofa is writing Hashem's name, he has to be focused and concentrate and do it for the right sake. So if he's doing one letter after the other carefully, there's more chance of interruption and distraction which will gets diminished the Kedusha of Hashem's name. Whereas here it's all done in one moment, one stroke, and therefore there's added. But I'm not so clear what uh, um, what was so special. 
said to him, why won't you teach it? Why are you not prepared to teach a skill to other people? He All the other people we learned about had a reason. They were, we don't want it to be used for our We don't want our special incense skills and things to be used for our We don't want the way we bake the special bread to be used in for our But what's history is what? We don't want them to write letters for our Right? It doesn't make sense. So he didn't have a good response. Ah, I just remembered one question, important question I didn't uh, I didn't mention is that um, the Katoris, the Male Oshan was an ingredient. And we know we said on Shabbos that you, if you leave out any of the ingredients, you chayav misa. So what was the option to make it with Male Oshan or not Male Oshan that is discussed that the craftsmen of Alexandria came and they made it, they just couldn't get the smoke correct. So there are various answers given. The one answer is that there are two types of Male Oshan. There's the, it's, a, it's the basic ingredient is Male Oshan, but there was the special type that made it go up straight. And there was the type of male ocean that didn't make the smoke up straight. Or another possibility is this was actually a different type of ingredient. This wasn't an essential ingredient. It was just, uh, it beautified the mitzvah. Okay, but back to where we are. So, On the early ones we say, But on Kamsar and his friends, we say the name of evil should rot. My v'shem roshom yukav. What's the emphasis on the name of the Rishoim? It should, it should just say the Rishoim Yirkav. Let the Rishoim rot. Why their name? It says, Omer Rebilozor, Rekvivus Tale Bishmoisom. Rebilozor says their name should become rusty. It should fall into disuse. Deloy Maskin and Bishmai, that no one names those names anymore. Mosif Ravina Maser Bedoik Ben Yosef. There was an incident with Doig ben Yosef. We're going to see, but basically, Doig was one of the most infamous people in Tanakh. He was, you could call it, one of David's rivals. Now, Doig was a phenomenal, phenomenal Talmud Chochem, but he was incredibly, incredibly evil. Incredibly evil. So there was this Doig ben Yosef. says, Aviv ben his father left him with his mother and when she was young when he was young and every day his mother used to measure him with tefachs and then pay the weight to the base amigdash says ukashegovar oyev when the when the enemies overpowered Jerusalem when Nebuchadnezzar conquered the base amigdash his mother ended up eating him and that's when that's Yirmiyahu's who's uh, kina where he says that the, the woman ended up eating their children out of starvation and siege. Etc. So, but again, the question the Gemara is asking while it's bringing this is: we see that people did name Doig was incredibly evil. And here we see that people did name after Doig. So what do you mean, Shame Rishoim Yarkav? Yirkav. It's Chazi, my solid base. says, no, look at his end. Look what happened to him in the end. I, we're not going to bring this as an example that, look what happened to this child in the end. That's not a good example of, yeah, it's fine to name after Rishoim. And that's interesting. It's a, it's a big discussion with names. We'll touch on names a bit more down the page. But in general, we try not name someone after 
an evil person. And uh, it's something to be sensitive to. The question comes up um, with names. Obviously, there's both. It works both ways. Yeah, let's just mention it now. So, so interesting enough. There's, there are many names. By now, but oh, firstly, um, what's it? Um, Rav Sternbach has a response. He says, are oh, you allowed, like in South Africa, it was, I mean, it was where he was in South Africa, so it's addressing South African issues. But he asks, are you allowed to name a child after his grandfather if his grandfather was Machal Shabbos? Lots of people in South Africa's grandfathers drove on Shabbos, so can you name the child after his grandfather? And he gives different answers, but, um, but I think that the second answer is more relevant to most of us, is people who drove on Shabbos in South Africa weren't bad. It wasn't because they were evil that they drove on Shabbos, and therefore he says you can. But there is a discussion. Um, but I think ultimately, when it, and but many many names have you can name someone who was good and someone who was terribly evil, um, who had that same name. So, but I think that yeah, in interesting, a name does express the essence of a person. But how, however, in light of that. A person also chooses how that name represents him. Most names can have a twist for the good or a twist for the bad. Just like um, yesterday uh, we read Megillus Rus, and it mentions the sons of Naomi and Elimelech were Machlon and Chilion. Machlon, the Midrash says, comes from the language of Machala, disease, and Chilion from. Uh, Destruct the end, the destruction, color. So it doesn't make sense. Would a mother name her child or a husband name his child disease and destruction? Obviously. So the Midrash says, um, well, I mean, so there's a different version, but I think the one explanation is no. That's a play on their real names, but basically how they lived out their lives. So, and I think that's with most people, that's what we would say nowadays. You name someone after someone who has a good name and a bad name, and... Uh, and obviously the, it's up to the person to live up to and make his essence the goodness of that name. I mean, interesting enough, just it's discussed in the Poskim naming a child Eliezer. It's quite a popular Jewish name, Eliezer. But what, you name him after Eliezer Eved Avram? He might have been a very special, special person, but he was an Eved, a slave. And then there's also Yishmuel. Not so, I don't know if it's common, so common nowadays, but there's Reb Yishmuel, there's a few Yishmuels in the Gemara. Um, Again, Yishmael is Avram's Rasha, the father of uh, the father of our uh, what would you call it? Our modern day antagonists, um, not antagonists. Yeah, um, would you call it Yishmael? Um, so again, that's uh, discussed. Let's carry on with the Gemara. This is Omer Rebbe Lazar. Tzadik Tzadik actually. Um, gets mentioned for the deeds that he succeeds. And Rishon, we actually lump them together with the deeds of their colleagues. Remember that Tzadik for a blessing. And Rishon, we lump them all together as it says. And all Rishon, in general, Yarkiv, will be lumped together with their evil. So Amalei Ravina lahumi Rabbonin tahavim sader agadata kaimei there was the sage who was 
um, giving over Agarita before him. So he says, What's the source that when you mention a tzaddik, you should include a bracha? He says, What do you mean? The Pasuk says, He says, No, not in the Novi, where in the Chumash do we see it? So he said, Dirsiv as it's written, Bashem Omar Machase Ani, May Avraham Asher Ani Oise. This week says, I'm ashamed from Avram, etc. He says, Uksiv, and just afterwards the Potsuk says, For Avram, Hoyu Yel, Goy Godol, Vatsum, and Avram will be a great and powerful nation. I, he mentions Avraham, and then he mentions a broch of Avram being great. He says, Minoh Milsa to Omer, on the flip side, he says, Minoh Milsa to Omer Abonan, Shem Rishom Yirkav. What's the source for this that we say the name of Rishom should write? This Amalei to Hoxiv v'Shem Rishom Yirkav says, "I don't understand your question. It's written expressly. Express. It's it's written explicitly." He says, "No, mid arise the minolon. My question is, where in the Chumash do we find an allusion to this?" He says, "Dirsiv ayol al sedom." Says that he set up his tent. Lot went and set up his tent by sedom. Uksiv. That I lost track of the time. So he says. So he says. But it says Lot went and established his tent in Sodom. Uksiv and it's written. Anche Sodom roim v'chatoim laHashem maod. And then it mentions how evil the men of Sodom were. So when you mention a Rashi, you must mention the evilness. Um, just before we go further, so I want to take this opportunity to mention something I mentioned at the beginning. He says, what's happening here? We're speaking so much Losh and horror about, uh, about those families. Isn't, I mean, granted, it's true, but we know that's what Losh and horror is, is speaking badly about someone that's true. And all of a sudden, we're mentioning Rishoyim and you're allowed to. So the Chofetz Chaim goes into this in his famous Sefer on Losh and horror. Um, but basically, it comes out there, the Sanhedrin were telling them to do something. Sanhedrin were telling them to reveal their secret of how to bake the bread, how to. So, no matter your calculations, you have to listen to the Sanhedrin. And if you don't, you're evil. I mean, it's similar to a Zokai Mamre. If Sanhedrin makes a ruling and, a, and one sage argues, granted he may have lots of proof from the Torah and his motivation is to fulfill the Torah and follow the halachas of the Torah, if he. It's. Uh, he's, it's also for him to do that. To uh, stand up against Sanhedrin, so that so that's Rishoim, and with Rishoim, as we see, the shame Rishoim you must actually mention their evilness. There seems to be a mala to mention their evilness. I think on one simple explanation could be is it it discourages people to behave like that if they realize how despicably you speak about people like that and those sort of actions, then it. Uh, it discourages them. And on the flip side, obviously, but Sadiq, you should always mention him with a broch and his good deeds. Um, we see that a Tzadik can live amongst two Rishoyim and he won't learn from their deeds. And we find a Tzadik can live amongst two a Rosh can live amongst two Tzadikim and he won't learn from their deeds. Tzadik, Dar Ben Shnei Rishoyim, Veloi Lomad Mimaseim, Ovadja. We see Ovadja lived amongst Achav and Izevel, two terribly evil people, and he was still an exceedingly pious prophet. Rosh Adar Ben Shnei Tzadikim, Veloi Lomad Mimaseim, Ze Esav. And we see Esav lived by Yitzchak and Rivka, two of the greatest Tzadikim, and he never learned from them. Not sure what it's bringing out from there. From the 
bracha of the tzaddikim you learn occurs to the rishoyim and the and the other way around. But Avram it says, I know that Avram will follow in my path, etc. And then it says, um, Hashem's anger against the Doiman Amora was very great. The men of Sodom was evil and sinners against Hashem. Hashem Omar el Avram he forayed Lot many more when Lot uh, left you, etc. Um, the apostle continues. Um, I will show, he showed Avram the whole of Eretz Israel. So it seems at that same point that you're mentioning evil Rishon, you should also take the point to highlight the good of Tzadikim. And when you take the point of mentioning Tzadikim, you should also take that point to highlight the evilness of Rishon. The whole world is created, is is even created for one Tzadik. Hashem saw the light was good. And Tov refers to a Tzadik because it says, tell the tzadik, say to the Tzadik that it is good, that he is good. So Hashem saw the one light, that it's good, the one tzaddik, and it was worthwhile creating the world. Anyone who forgets something that he was learning causes exile to his descendants. If you forget the Torah of Hashem, he, he will forget your children. It removes him from his greatness. Now I know you have despised me and I will just reject you from serving me. Basically, um, yeah, it's very bad to forget your learning. There's a mission in Abbas that someone who forgets their learning is Chamisa. I mean, the Ritva, we don't have time to discuss it now, but the Ritva and it brings that it's where you forget it on purpose. Obviously, if you're trying to learn and you're trying to remember and you're not being negligent, then uh, obviously not held, wouldn't be held accountable. Rabbi Yochanan says that we don't, a tzaddik never leaves this world unless there's a tzaddik that's created like him. As the Pasuk says, the sun will shine and the sun will set. It seems that Rosh is, is based on the fact that it should set the other way around. The sun will set and the sun will rise. That's the way the day follows. Day follows uh, the night precedes the day. So the Gemara says, The example is by Eli and Shmuel. Just before Eli retired and was Niftar, Shmuel was established. And the Gemara elsewhere brings a whole list. For example, um, I don't remember the names, but I think, Ravel was born before Ravel, Shmuel, or Rabbi Yochanan died, etc. So there's always someone to replace the tzaddik. Hashem saw that they're very few tzaddikim, so he spread them out through all the generations. Shemar, as the Pasuk says, Kilim Salem Sorry, Kila Hashem, the pillars of the land, of the earth, are to Hashem, and he establishes the world through them. 
And this Omar, Omar Rabbi Chia Bar Abba, Omar Rabbi Yochanan, Afilu Bishvil Tzadik Echor Oile Miskayim. It's worth keeping the world in existence even for one Tzadik. Shneimar it says, but Tzadik Yisoid Olam. A Tzadik is the foundation of the world. And Rabbi Chia today, Omar Mehacha Raglech Chasid of Yishmor Chasid of Tuva Mashma. It says the feet of the tzad- of his pious ones he will protect. Oh, Chasidov implies a lot. There's no Amr Anav Yitzchak. Chasidok Siv. It's written without the without the the vov to tell us his Chasid. Okay, and I think we better leave it here. We'll finish off uh, this discussion and the parak tomorrow.